From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. This podcast is sponsored by Sage Accounting. Sage gives entrepreneurs and small businesses the information, insights, and tools they need to succeed. Sign up for a 30-day trial to start using Sage Accounting in your business using the offer code SAGEMASH. I'm Andre Botna. I'm the owner of Tax Maverick. We're a tax services company, and we've got a, you know about 280 clients now. Mm. And what we do specifically is we keep people out of trouble with SARS, number one, and then help them pay less tax as a result. And yeah, on the other side, I'm very big on tax education on my two main pro platforms being Twitter and YouTube. What informs your passion for wanting to educate people about this where, you know, there's a lot of investment in possibly trying to reframe it as being too complicated for the average person to have to, have to do, right? Like mm. what drives your passion for democratizing education around tax? So the frustrating part of tax is there's this idea in law, which is called ignorance of the law is not an excuse. And where this idea came from, which is actually a brilliant idea in law, is if you, if you murder someone, you can't go to court and then say, oh, I didn't know it was wrong to murder. And for some reason, also, when you grow up, for some reason, there's something in, inside you that tells you you're not supposed to murder. But everybody has that inside them, un- un- unless you're a psychopath. But show me a six-year-old who knows what capital gains is. Mm. You know, a six-year-old knows not to steal, knows not to murder, knows mm. not to do those things. And so because, because the teaching around tax and the fact that everybody needs to pay it, but there's very few teachers about it, just showed, okay, there's a clear lack here. And why don't I fill the gap? One of the things, and maybe I'm, I'm just obnoxious enough to do the teaching. Like I don't mind, I don't mind telling them, telling people the basics. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people in high, in high positions, they, they went through decades of the basics in order just to deal with the complex. I find a lot of enjoyment in taking the complex and breaking it down to the simple. And, you know, what was the approach you guys actually took when you realized, okay, we actually need to solve this problem of text education and people really understanding what they should be doing and doing it right? I mean, it got started. I had a very, very basic setup at home. And mm-hmm. I think I made my first video on YouTube with, with my cell phone and cell phone audio with the, with the little earbuds and whatnot. And yeah. I was recording myself with bad audio and I did a screen recording and it was how to register for e-filing, right? And that was my first video. And a couple of months later, one of my friends at Bright told me, and I haven't uploaded since. So that was in Feb 18. And then somewhere in November, somebody told me, dude, you've got like 500 subs and your videos are on 5,000 views. I'm like, okay, wait, people watch tax content? <laughs> I mean, people watch this stuff. People are supposed to watch cat videos. <laughs> people are also supposed to watch music videos. That is what mm. YouTube was built for. So I went in with the assumption that nobody's going to watch it, but I'll make it in anyway. And then people watched it. And so then I just decided, okay, let me just, let me just do more of that. But I think I did way better on 
Twitter. And if you were to ask me how did I start on Twitter, I could not answer you. I am I am so unstructured in my in the way I do my Twitter stuff that mm. if I become structured, I think I will lose that that way of teaching. You know, mm. t- today the whole thing about taxable income just came, you know, came out of nowhere because of some Ferrari tweet that happened yesterday. And so that's what I like on Twitter is on Twitter I can I can t- actually take advantage of ADH of my condition ADHD because as things move in Twitter I can move with it and I think that's how I built it there. But YouTube I just saw there was a gap and I started with how to videos, how to register for e-filing, how to update your banking details, how to get your refund from SARS, how to do your tax return. And yeah, that's that's how I got started. What were the things that you started to notice as you started growing, obviously, this, you know, base of content? And we'll go into the business itself in a bit. But what were the things that you were learning as people started to give you this feedback and you started to see the channels grow and, you know, whether it was a Twitter platform as well? Mm-hmm. What were the things that you were learning from people as they started engaging with the content? I mean, I saw there was a, there was a huge need for it because it seemed like almost Everyone who engaged with the content felt like they are either asking me more questions or being very appreciative. I mean, my like to dislike ratio, except for one video, is like 98%. In one video, it was 77%. And you know, do you want to know why? Why? <laughs> the title of the video was How to Pay No Tax. And, and, <laughs> and I gave like seven meme reasons or meme ways of how to pay no tax. Things like emigrate. You should pass away because you, don't, you shouldn't spend any money because then you can avoid paying VAT. You should, you should not earn money yeah. because then you can avoid paying income tax. And it was a meme video. But all my other videos, it seemed like people, there's a, there was a great need and the content was good. But also, despite, despite my effort in breaking things down simply, I still, to this day, get the basic questions. It means that... A, it means that one, I'm not doing enough, <laughs> even though I'm already doing an effort. It also means that there's a, there's, a, there's a much bigger need in the basic education. And you can start at basic, you know, primary school, you can, you know, grade seven in, in I imagine in grade seven for accounting, they should add VAT mm. in there or a very basic thing on income tax and start there. And if you take accounting, or life in, or life orientation in um, in high school mm. that you should learn the basic concepts of of tax because when people leave high school what's the first thing they do if they don't go to university or even if they go to university and they get a side gig they're mm. going to get a pay slip or they're going to get tips and they get their pay slip and they don't even know what this paper means mm. actually yes their salary but do you even know what pay as you earn means? Do you know yeah. what your F means? And that is assumed. And that is, you know, that, 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 that's the basis of my, con- of my content journey. Yeah. So obviously this starts to show you how much more people actually would need the services of the kind of company that you're building now. Can you go into, you know, what informed starting it, but then also the process of building it so far? Yeah. So, I mean, I was in tax for, I think about, 11 or 11 or 12 years is this through corporate through corporate yeah mm. so i started in very uh, at a very small company with like a salary of 3500 mm. and i had it for four years and it was a mix of accounting and auditing and tax 
And then I got to move to Cape Town, stayed in, in the tax field, and I decided to hone in on this, on this one topic. At one point, I almost quit tax. Mm. Uh, I wanted to give up. I told my wife, I'm, I'm tired. I want to go over to financial planning. And then she said, okay, just, just, just press on, just mm. persevere. And then I did. And yeah, so we start the company. I decided to put out my first ad. It was in April 2021. Mm. I decided to post my first ad. I want to do people's returns. I can do it, you know, after work hours, people's returns and do basic consulting after, you know, after work. Mm. And enough work came through that I earned about half my salary Mm. within, you know, in the months of, let's say, May and June and July that my wife was comfortable to say, okay, clearly this thing works. I think you can pull the trigger and start the business. And yeah, so that was that was the bridge between, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made before I started the business was I didn't build up a, a big enough emergency fund. So that, I think looking back, that's one of the things I would have changed. But I don't regret the way I started, you know, put out the ad, see if there's a market fit, see if people want it. And yeah, people people definitely grabbed at the, at the opportunity. Do you think it was like the validation, you know, being able to see, okay, wait, like, this actually works. Do you think people misunderstand that sometimes? Like, I think we we are so just in our heads, oh man, this is an amazing idea. And you don't even test anything at all. So this is where I like really appreciate your wife to go, hey, you should actually validate whether or not. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot of businesses that do start off of, oh man, I love this. I think this is amazing. Let's just do it. You pull the trigger, you jump, and then you find out, oh no, there's no net. Right? Yeah, there's a different ocean. Yeah. (laughs) So what were the things that you were learning about just how, you know, whether it's small businesses, individuals or creators were fundamentally misunderstanding about tax and how to really manage their businesses from that perspective? That's a crazy question. I think a lot of people are, are so misinformed or yeah, misinformed is the right word because Throughout my journey in the com- in running the company, the number of people I've had to say, excuse me, why did you start a PTY? Mm. Because people start a PTY because they hear this advice around the fire, around the bride to say, listen, you should, if you want to have a company, you must start a PTY without knowing that a PTY requires shareholder, shareholder agreements, mm. share certificates, who can be a who can be a director? How is meetings held? Dividends, the requirement of financial statements, the you need an accountant, and all those things to start a PTY. Mm. When you can perfectly run your side hustle or your small business, especially if you if you don't have market yet, if you're still testing the market in your personal name, and you don't have to invite all that extra stuff onto your plate. I think that. That was the biggest thing that I've had to teach people is or sway them away from PTYs, at least initially. If you've got a company that's doing well in your own name or if you've got a PTY, then good. Mm. But, this, but just, just because you can register your company on CIPC does not mean you have a company. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that just think that, okay, this piece of paper proves that I do have something. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you get excited enough to say, oh, no, 
my name is registered. I have this piece of paper that says that I have a business. Yes. Because there's just like this, meh, do you really have a business if you don't necessarily have a piece of paper that says that you do? But, you know, can you explain further, you know, what that means when you're running the business in your own name? And when you have this culture in South Africa where basically everyone has to have a side hustle, right? Because it's so <laughs> unsustainable to be able to survive off of one income for most people. What does it mean to be able to run a business in your own name? And would this just be like a sole proprietor sort of situation? And then what does the tax relationship look like from that perspective? Yeah, so I think the the starting point, if if you have a side hustle or you or you generate other revenue streams that's aside from your salary, the, the first starting point that I would say is open a separate bank account. Everybody can do that. And that's one of the wisest decisions because then you are separating your personal finance from your business finance. It's it's one of the best moves. That's also why PTYs work because when you have a PTY, you have to have a separate bank account for the PTY. Do that and apply that to your own company, to your own sole proprietorship. I think Wave Apps is still popular. There's another one, Zoho Books, I think. Mm. All those platforms where you can do your own bookkeeping from. And the taxes are quite quite simple. Now, I must say a caveat. For some reason, SARS does not like individuals that trade. Mm. And so they are audited a bit more than companies, especially on the expense side. So the moment you, be, you become a bit big, I'd say 30K in income or more from your side hustle per month. If mm. you're doing 30K or more per month, then I think it's better to to you know, formalize it a bit more, then there's more meat and potatoes to actually hire an, a, a professional accountant to help you out. In, in terms of taxes, I think that is the, the one thing that becomes really tricky and why you need a help from a, from a tax practitioner. This is not a sell. This mm. is just me educating. Yeah. Is, is, that, <laughs> is, that, is that the moment you add a second income source, your tax immediately becomes complicated because now it's no longer just pay as you earn and the patient uncovers your salary, now you have to pay provisional tax. And how do you calculate provisional tax? And that's where, that's where mess comes in because a lot of people get, get, get now, now get bad accountants or do their own thing in terms of provisional. They forget to submit provisional returns or they don't know their obligations. Mm. And then they, they mess up without understanding why they messed up. Mm. But yeah, I think that's, that would be a very good starting point. And, you know, you've seen a lot of startups start to adopt a very different thinking, which is like registering their businesses in, you know, American, you know, bases. But then what happens with the tax in that situation? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the problem with incorporating outside SA is a, is a different beast because now you've got a company that sits outside SA, so you mm. pay taxes there. And luckily, if you're, if you're the sole director of such a company usually that you have to have some kind of a, a a relationship that the other jurisdiction might require a local director or a local mm. shareholder or whatever but at least if you have majority shareholding those dividends if you get paid would be exempt similar mm. to local dividends if you got paid from the company yeah and you'll get a foreign salary if you if you need to get paid but the main reason to have a to have a foreign jurisdiction is, especially if a lot of your clients are from Ireland. Okay, make an Ireland company. Mm. If your if your clients are, or you or you want to go global, but um, I wouldn't invite that 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 complexity if you don't have the cash to to manage that. Would you you know 
and obviously with no bias, right? Would you suggest that a lot more people, you know, get, you know, a bookkeeper in, an accountant in, hire a tax consultant to really be able to navigate this space, right? Because it's one thing to try and do this on your own and maybe you use software as much as possible. And I, I do, I advocate for software because I do think that that at least gives you some level of like ability. But what's your perspective on like, you know, whether to hire someone versus, you know, just trying to DIY this? I, I don't think DIYing tax is good though. Yeah, I'm going to put tax aside for now. Let's just mm -hmm. handle the, the basic accounting, right? I'll give you a simple, you know, gross profit margin. Mm. You know, the number of people who has their own side hustle, who does not know their own gross profit margin, I think it's like 90%. Mm. And, and that word gross profit margin and net profit margin is possibly the two most important accounting concepts to understand is your business making enough money? Because mm. so, if, you, if you do the calculation, if you calculate it, your revenue minus cost of sales and you calculate that percentage difference, that's a gross profit margin. If your margins are too low, it means you're, you're not charging enough and, you, and you know, you, you're just competing on price against, against other people. That's, that's simply something that, look, if you're, if you're a photographer, do photography. Mm. If, you're a, if you're a mechanic, do your car mechanic stuff. Know your numbers though. So know, okay, what was the revenue for the month? What was the cost of sales? What is my salaries and wages? You know, what's my net? So know your numbers. But the person who's going to teach you your numbers or help you your numbers is that, that bookkeeper. A bookkeeper is a great bookkeeper is one of the best investments a company can make, a small company. You can use an external one. As you become bigger, maybe now you need an internal one. Or maybe you use the cloud software, but then you use an external accountant or, a, or outsourced CFO or a tax person. Sometimes a tax person can do all, the, all those hats. Mm. But yeah, do the thing that you're a specialist in. If, you, if you're good at, I don't know, selling houses, focus on that. Yeah. Um, know your numbers, but focus on selling houses. Focus on doing makeup. So if I'm a you know, small business and maybe a side hustler who hasn't been paying enough attention to these things. I don't have a bookkeeper yet. What would be the first step just to go like, okay, I actually need to get my shit in order. What does that look like? I mean, like, like, like I said, when, when you, when you asked me what, what would be a start for, for a business, if they need to get this stuff in orders, I'd say, what is your bank? What, how many bank accounts do you have? If you only have a personal bank, one bank account, and you do all your trading through there, your salary comes through there, that's a whole lot of mess. Mm. So the first thing I, I would do, I would just jump in and say, create, please create a separate bank account and then trade from that bank account. So separate the business from personal and, and then put that bank account on, an, on a cloud accounting software. That would be step two. So a separate bank account, cloud accounting software. Step three is then know your tax, the, the, the deadlines, August provisional, Feb provisional, and at least watch some videos or, or read SARS guides or, you know, ask a tax person mm. how to navigate those provisional tax times. And yeah, I mean, these things are less required when you're not that registered yet, because that was also very critical. I recently did a tweet only 27% of, of companies and actively trading individuals 
are only 27% are actually VAT registered. So it, it means that a lot of people running businesses aren't doing a million rand or more in less than 12 months. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you can that that you can just you know put the put the the numbers and the spreadsheets by the wayside. Yeah, you also tweet a lot about like just building businesses and, and stuff like that, and like something that you've been speaking about a bit is that price versus value thing. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what that actually means and 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 what it is actually? Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you if you were to if you were to buy bread, or if you you know you've got a good idea of what the price of bread is. It mm. should be about 18 Rand, right? You can buy more expensive bread, maybe a Woolies bread at 44 Rand or whatever, but mm. you would expect, but that's a commodity. Right? So the way the way businesses can separate themselves is by decommoditizing their offering to people. So instead of saying, so let's say, um, I'm going to use a a gym as an example because this is an example that 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 I've learned from a from a from a mentor that I like to watch a lot, Alex Ramosi, and he did this with gyms. A lot of gyms copy the Virgin Active model. The Virgin Active model it's 200 rand or 500 rand a month, and that's it. There's no there's no special gimmicks or whatever. And the way he changed that that framework and to say, okay, how can we de decommoditize that? Because that's that's what everybody, all the gyms do. Mm. Instead, he sold, he would sell a six-week fitness challenge for like, I don't know, $1,000. A lot of money, mm. okay? But it sells like hotcakes because you can't buy it anywhere else. And so that is, that's one way to, to separate yourself where, where you decommoditize yourself, where you offer something to the market that you really can't buy somewhere else. Mm. I'll give a, I'll give... I'll give the ticket away in my industry. And this is, this is how management accountants separate themselves from people who just do financial statements, right? If you were to shop around to do financial statements and you're a fairly, fairly decent company, you might be quoted, okay, we'll quote you 25K to do a set of financials. You can buy 25, you can buy financial statements for somewhere between 15 to 25K, okay? But a smart management accountant will say, okay, we'll help you manage your taxes, we'll help you check, look at your budgeting, we'll do all those things. Included is included in there is your um, is the financial statements. We'll mm. look at the payroll stuff and and as well. They don't give you all the detail. All they tell you is that that's gonna be six and a half a month. So suddenly you go from selling financial statements for 25k a year to actually selling 84,000 Rand a year on a bit, a much better offering. Mm. And that's, that's the difference between a commodity. You can shop around for F's prices versus a, a package deal, which you can't even Google, mm. you know, because you don't know how much this package would be elsewhere. Yeah. And when you think about just, you, you actually mentioned this earlier, just around like raising your own prices in your own business and like, but you also mentioned this around the gross profit thing as well, where you're like, you know, maybe your prices should be higher because it's actually costing you a lot more to produce or create the service that you're creating. You know, what informed your thinking around that? But also what advice would you have for someone else that's thinking about this? I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I think the first thing is, is what, you're, is what you are selling actually valuable? You know, and and if it's if it is valuable or if it's not valuable, how can you create a more valuable offering? 
I find it's difficult. It's I would say it's more difficult to do that with physical products. You have to you have to get creative with physical products. But when it comes to services, you can really be creative. And and they it's it's not it's not because oh here here's a here's a little funky story for you, right? There was research done where where the researchers gave let's say three groups of people or one group of people, three different kinds of, you know, wine, mm. okay, to taste. And all they did was they, pour, they poured the wine in and they, pl- they had the price of the wine on each glass. So there was three glasses. The one was, let's say, $1. The other one was 10 and the other one was 50 And they, they, they tasted the, the wine and they, then they had to rate how much they thought, you know, which, which wine was the best. And so they ranked, obviously, the most expensive one, the highest. Then the middle, then the middle one, and then the dollar one was at the lowest. The funny thing about the research show, the research showed that the wine was exactly the same. They just changed the price. So for some reason, when something is more expensive, we va- we automatically assume a higher value for that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, this thing is five thousand rand. Oh, what is it? Wow, this this is crazy. You know, com- compared to all the other things, this is a lot of money. Mm. You know, and so price can often assume value. One of one of the people, and this is something that that this is one of the best advice that people that people give you when you when you do rate cards, when you get into providing social media services, is how you price yourself is how valuable th- you think you are. And, and and don't you know? But in any case, so so you, if you up your prices and you are providing quite a lot of value, then that means your your price is matching or your sorry your value is actually exceeding the price that you that you that you're putting on the table. Yeah, yeah. What do you hope people really start to learn from you as you continue this journey and keep building this amazing business as well? Um, I think the main learning point is just don't. Don't be don't be scared of SARS. So you know, get your get get your tax stuff sorted. Get your tax stuff sorted out. And if you're compliant, it's way easier to do business and to go about. And if you want to immigrate or as so if your tax stuff is sorted out, that's one of the tax is one of the biggest stressors that people have. Financial stressors. If mm-hmm. people don't have issues of SARS, it's like the 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 stress doesn't exist. But when it's there, it's like on their mind all the time and it's very difficult to manage so that's one thing and the other thing i think business-wise is and the more i get into business education is is perhaps be more audacious Mm. especially when when you have something when you have the right market i am very lucky you know i stepped into a market which people don't like SARS. people don't People also don't like to do their own tax. People don't like to talk about tax. But I happen to like all those three things. You know, I don't have a problem with dealing with SARS. I actually like talking about tax and I don't mind doing people's taxes. And so if you have a great market, you know, be audacious, build a better offering and charge more. And you'll see, you know, the moment you charge more, all of a sudden, hey, you don't have to search for so, you don't have to market so hard because you need less customers in order to make the same amount of revenue. Yeah. Yeah. What does success look like for your growing community? Who for, you mean for me or? Yes, for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for them, it's obviously like being impacted by the, the content that you have. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a content creator, and, I, and, I, and 
I've always hated the term influencer, but let's call myself a tax influencer. It's not too important for me to, to grow the following necessarily. I'm busy with a tax book called, you know, making tax less taxing. And hopefully I can get it out on Amazon by December or early, you know, Jan next year. But um, really to, to continue growing that and to push for better education for all South Africans, because I think then you'll have less, you know, an educated nation is a nation that, that just performs better in general. Mm. And I can't be the only person doing this. What is one thing that you have learned now, having had the journey that you've had, the challenges that you have, tested so many things as well, that you wish you knew when you started or a piece of advice that you would give yourself right at the beginning? That is a tough question. And I think, um, Mash, when, when is this podcast coming out? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to answer it. <laughs> Let's go for it. Uh, is when you have a, a company and, or an idea and the idea has good market fit, it's, it's, it's doing really well, really well as a side hustle. Be very, very stingy with equity, with ownership in your business. I only, I only say that because there are various ways that you can share what you're doing with others without giving away a piece of your own pie. Mm. You can share in revenue. If a person is bringing in clients or helping you on a client, you can share revenue with them. If they are very involved in your business, you can share profits with them. You don't need to give them a piece of your pie. What I would say is only give something away if this is a proper partnership and you are doing you are doing IT and I'm doing accounting and you make it and you sit down with a lawyer and you say, okay, what is a fair agreement here? That's the only basis on which I would start at ground zero at a split uh, at a split ownership. And the second, if you if you want to have a partner over time, what I would then say is find out in which role they would fit in. You have three main roles, rainmaking, which is, you know, bringing in clients, two, fulfillment, fulfilling those clients, and three, operations. Decide, you know, which is your strong point and bring in one of those. But also only do that if you've, if you've been working with the person or you know the person for at least three to five years. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. No problem, man. Cool. Thanks. To access previous episodes of this podcast, but also again access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com.